Thank you for joining us for this podcast from College Church of the Nazarene University Avenue. The following was recorded live on location in Bourbonnais, Illinois. Thinking this is our story, what we read today is our story. Uh, what we read in the gospel, what happened 1,990 years ago on that first Palm Sunday, I'm thinking that that is our story. Palm Sunday, Sunday story is our story. We know the story. We participated in it today. We've heard it many times. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, as Zechariah the prophet said the Messiah would do. But we should know that this was all orchestrated, planned by Jesus. This was intentional. It wasn't accidental. Jesus was letting Jerusalem know who he was. And we knew that, know that because he told two of his disciples to go to the village ahead of him, and he told them that they would find a donkey there tied up waiting for them, a donkey with a colt beside it. Clearly, previously arranged by Jesus so that he might do what he did, which is ride into Jerusalem in fulfillment of the prophecy, prophecy in Zechariah. And I should note, fulfilled to the letter of the prophecy, because Zechariah said the coming king would ride into Jerusalem in Zechariah 9.9, humble, and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So this had to be filled exactly as Zechariah said. So Jesus said to disciples, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with a colt by her. Just as Zechariah said, humble and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So this was all very specifically intentional. Jesus was declaring himself to be the fulfillment of prophecy, the coming of the Messiah King. And not only that, Jesus was declaring himself to be a certain kind of king by riding in on a donkey. Humble, gentle, not a warrior king. In other words, he would bring peace. Because the rest of that Zechariah passage, which Matthew didn't quote, in the verse right after Zechariah said, humble and riding on a donkey, Zechariah wrote about the Messiah saying this, I will take away the chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. So Jesus, on purpose, rode into Jerusalem, declaring himself to be the fulfillment of prophecy, the Messiah King, who would restore Israel and bring peace. And many others believed it as well. In response to the confident hope that Jesus was indeed the coming King who would finally bring peace, a large crowd, disciples and children included, welcomed Jesus as one would welcome a King, with singing and shouting what one sang and shouted for kings. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest which is, of course, what we did today. How could we not? I mean, it's what one does on Palm Sunday, and not only here, but in a whole lot of churches. We relived the event what we could, which, of course, included the anarchy of the children. It is right and proper and good to sing praise to our God with children. And it's always so much fun and can I say, as much fun as it was for us, it would have been even more so 
for those first century worshipers of Jesus, so much so that Matthew reported that the whole city was thrown into an uproar saying, who is this? I mean, this was quite the event, this Palm Sunday parade. And all of Jerusalem wanted to know what was going on. So those throwing palm branches and coats on the ground and those singing Hosanna and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they responded to the question by telling the rest of Jerusalem who Jesus was. This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. So Jesus was welcomed into Jerusalem as the prophesied Messiah King by the disciples and by the children and by a crowd of hope-filled followers. That's what happened 1,990 years ago, give or take a few years. Now, I'm not sure what those disciples and that crowd and those children were expecting would happen once Jesus arrived and the parade was over. As I noted, Matthew reported the whole city was thrown into an uproar. Jesus was creating quite a stir. But we don't know what the crowd welcoming Jesus, praising Jesus, expected would happen once Jesus arrived. Did they think he was going to be installed as king that day? That what, that, that what was supposed to happen when Jesus rode in was he would be anointed as king. And that that might have been their expectation could, could be because Solomon had done the same thing Jesus was doing. Solomon had done it a thousand years before. When David was dying, he arranged for his son Solomon to succeed him. And he wanted Solomon to ride into Jerusalem. And in the first chapter of 1 Kings, we read that story. So Zadok, the priest, Nathan, the prophet, and others went down and had Solomon mount King David's donkey into the city. Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the sacred tent and anointed Solomon. Then they sounded the trumpet, and all the people shouted, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him, playing pipes and rejoicing greatly, so that the ground shook with the sound. So maybe those welcoming Jesus as the promised Messiah King as a son of David, maybe they thought that all of Jerusalem would be convinced by this demonstration. Maybe they were expecting a miraculous conversion of all of Israel by the truth of Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem on a donkey. Maybe the crowd shouting Hosanna thought they had reached a tipping point in Jesus' ministry and momentum would now be on their side. Why, with this triumphal entry into Jerusalem in fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy, imitating Solomon's ascension to the throne, maybe they thought that Jesus would finally be recognized as the rightful king. Hopefully, maybe. Well, we don't know what they were expecting, what would happen once the acclaim, once the praise and worship is over. But I'm pretty sure they were not expecting what they got. I'm pretty sure they weren't expecting what actually happened. Because Jesus went from his triumphal entry, because Jesus went from receiving the acclaim of his people, because Jesus went from praise and worship of his kingship to violent cleansing of the temple. Immediately following the triumphal entry, Jesus went to the temple. And the praise parade ended on the temple grounds. We read this morning that the children and the disciples in the crowd were all still shouting praises when Jesus was at the temple. They were still singing, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They were doing that at the temple. But Jesus didn't go to the temple just to be worshipped there. He had a different agenda. 
He went there on purpose for sure, but he didn't go to the temple to simply bask in the praise of his people. Jesus went to the temple for another reason. And we read what that was this morning in that second gospel reading. Immediately following the triumphal entry, this is what Jesus did. Jesus drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of money changers and benches of those selling doves. Wow. Now, I'm not sure that's what the crowds, the disciples, the children were expecting. It certainly wasn't what the religious leaders were expecting. But we need to know that this also was not an accident. This was intentional. Jesus entered Jerusalem on the back of a donkey as the prophet Zechariah said the promised king would with the crowd shouting Hosanna. And the first thing Jesus did was cleanse the temple, was sanctify the temple. He drove out of the temple the ones making a living off of the holiness of God. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Again, I'm pretty sure that that's not what the crowd shouting Hosanna was expecting. I'm thinking that that probably surprised them, but it didn't surprise Jesus. Jesus knew what he was about. Jesus knew what he was doing. This was intentional. This was as prophetic as was his riding into Jerusalem on a donkey was. It turns out that Jesus entered Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday to the praise and acclaim of the people to do a bit of house cleaning. It turns out that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that Sunday in order to cleanse the temple. Now, as a consequence of that, Matthew tells us that the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. An incredible verse. So Jesus, by expelling the ones serving as gatekeepers, the ones who were paid to make sure that only the worthy could enter, Jesus made room for the ones who didn't consider themselves worthy. And as a consequence of the cleansing of the temple by Jesus, it became what it was supposed to be, a place of healing and grace. But as important and as beautiful as that was, I still don't think the cleansing of the temple after the praise and worship of Jesus as king, I know, that really wasn't what the crowd was expecting. And for sure, it wasn't what those who ran the temple were expecting. And we know that for sure because Matthew tells us they were indignant. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Such a great feeling of self-righteousness when we're indignant. How dare Jesus receive the praise of the people as if he were the Lord in the temple? How dare Jesus interfere with the accepted and usual operations of the temple? So Jesus wasn't making any friends among those he was convicting. They probably could have ignored Jesus if he had just confined himself to a praise and worship gathering, but to prophetically cleanse the temple, to sanctify and make holy the temple, that was unacceptable. So Matthew tells us that Jesus did what he had had to do before he left Jerusalem and went to Bethany for the night perhaps back to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' home. 
which can we also say was a bit of an anticlimactic, which was an anticlimactic ending to what started as a pretty promising day. I mean, the day started with people praising Jesus as the coming Messiah, and it ended with Jesus retreating to the safety of a home with some friends. Again, probably not what the people had started the day with him singing Hosanna, proclaiming, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Probably not what the people praising him were expecting of their promised king. And of course, we know it didn't get any better the rest of the week. The next morning, Jesus went back to Jerusalem. This is the morning after the crowds were singing Hosanna. So on Monday, Jesus went back. Only this time, there were no crowds. Just Jesus and the disciples. And on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus cursed a fig tree for not producing fruit. Which is a bit of, kind of alarming to the disciples. It immediately withered. Response to the word from the creator. Jesus went back to the temple, where not surprisingly, Jesus was once again confronted by the temple authorities who were evidently not over what he had done the day before because they asked him straight out that day, who gave him the right to do what he was doing? Who did he think he was? So Jesus told them a story a parable about tenants of a vineyard who successively killed the servants of the owner of the vineyard and then ultimately killed the owner's son, resulting in the owner, according to Jesus, bringing those wretched tenants to a wretched end. Jesus concluded that story by plainly saying to the ones challenging his authority, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who produce its fruit which Jesus had illustrated earlier that day by cursing the fig tree on his way into the city. And then Jesus told the religious leaders another story, this time about a king who invited people to his son's wedding banquet. But the people on the guest list refused to come, so the king invited anyone and everyone else, both good and bad, and filled the banquet hall with everybody else. Another story those religious leaders understood. Jesus was plainly telling them that they who thought they were in were not, and those they thought were out were in. So they countered by asking Jesus trick questions in an effort to discredit him. Is it right to pay taxes, they asked? Good question. Political question. No more certain way to get in trouble as a preacher than by becoming political. Then they ask, whose wife will a seven-time married woman be once she's in heaven? No good answer to that one. And they ask, what's the greatest commandment? You better know your Bible if you're going to answer that one. So Jesus answered every one of those questions in a very clever way, evading their traps. And then Jesus turned the tables on them, so to speak. And in words that are kind of alarming, called them on their hypocrisy and pride. Early in the week of Jesus' passion, this is what Jesus said. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. 
Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. When you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell, said Jesus. Again, I'm pretty sure that the folks who started the week with that incredible praise and worship celebration were not expecting that. I mean, I can't be sure what they thought would be the result of their acclaim of Jesus on Palm Sunday. But I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't have guessed what actually happened, which is what? What was Jesus doing? This is what he was doing. He was doing some house cleaning. He entered Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday to cleanse the temple. And evidently, he entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday to do a lot more than cleanse the temple. Evidently, Jesus entered Jerusalem on a Palm Sunday to cleanse a people. And he didn't stop with the religious authorities. He also talked pretty straight with his own disciples. He told them that that beautiful, magnificent temple, which it had taken two generations to build, was going to be destroyed. And he told them the world was going to get worse instead of better. He told them that there were going to be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines and persecutions. And he said, you are going to be persecuted. And Again, we don't know all that the disciples were thinking, but they very well could have been thinking, wasn't it just a couple of days ago we were marching into Jerusalem proclaiming Jesus as promised king? Well, the disciples wanted to know when all this awful stuff was going to happen, and Jesus couldn't tell them because he didn't even know. But he told them not to worry. And he said, you wait, and you watch. And then Jesus told his disciples three parables, one about always being ready for the bridegroom's return. Make sure you have oil in your lamps, he said. Don't be gone when the bridegroom comes. And then he told another one about multiplying talents, about multiplying the resources the Lord had given them, and he warned them about burying the resources that the Lord had given them. And then he told another one about what gains us entrance into the kingdom of heaven. In the third parable in Matthew 25 about sheep and goats, Jesus clearly indicated that serving him wasn't only to be about piety, that is about reading the Bible and prayer and going to church, no, gaining entrance into the kingdom is also going to be about feeding the hungry and giving water to the thirsty and inviting the stranger into our homes and providing clothes for those who need clothes and visiting those who are sick and visiting those in prison. 
Because when we do that, it's him we're taking care of. And when we don't, it's him we're not taking care of. And the ones who would hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, would be the ones who fed the hungry and clothed the naked and invited strangers into homes and visited the sick and those in prison. Again, for the second to the last time, I'm pretty sure that the folks who started the week with that incredible praise and worship celebration, proclaiming Jesus as the promised Messiah, expected the, they didn't expect the week to go this way. And we can't know what they thought would be the result of their acclaim, but I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have guessed what happened. But Jesus knew what he was doing. This was his intention all along. He entered Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday to cleanse the temple. And he entered Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday to do a lot more than cleanse the temple. He entered Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday to cleanse a people. And all of this happened the first part of the week. We haven't talked about the rest of the week, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. And we really don't have to. I think we know how the week ended. It ended with Jesus making preparations to celebrate the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, on that Thursday. And he washed his disciples' feet, and he said, that's what Christian leaders do. They serve. And he prayed for his disciples' sanctification. And then he suffered all that he did Thursday night and Friday morning and it ended with Jesus on a cross praying forgiveness for those who crucified him. Giving himself up to his father. And the week ended with Jesus in a grave all day Saturday suffering death for the sin of humankind. We know how the week ended. It ended with Jesus providing the ultimate cleansing for his people through his death on a cross. He rode into Jerusalem to the acclaim of the crowds to cleanse the temple and to cleanse the people. They gathered to worship him on Sunday and he began immediately cleaning house. They worshiped him and he sanctified them. Again, not sure how those folk on Palm Sunday thought the week would go, but that's how it did. It began with the people declaring Jesus as the promised Messiah and it ended with Jesus dying so that they might be cleansed, so that they might be made whole. Now you might remember that I began this message by saying I'm thinking that this is our story and that what we read in the gospel readings today, what happened 1,990 years ago, give or take a few years, that what happened in Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday and the rest of the week, I said that that was our story, this is our story. And what I meant by that is this. Just as those first century followers were not expecting Jesus to do all that he did following their acclaim of him, with him literally overturning tables and driving out those despoiling the temple by their exploitation of others, making a living off of the holiness of God, and then by revealing the sin of the religious professional, and then by revealing what it would mean to be a true follower of Jesus, just as those first century worshipers of Jesus did not expect what Jesus did, I'm thinking the same thing happens to us. We proclaim Jesus as Messiah. We confess him as Lord. We praise him 
we worship him and he immediately begins cleaning house. He starts overturning tables in our temples. He starts sanctifying. And sometimes that's not what we are expecting. Who'd have thought a praise and worship service, who'd have thought a praise and worship service would lead to this? And how much fun is it? I mean, we so much fun to praise and worship, but we're not so much fans of his cleansing. We're not so much fans of his convicting us of sin. And how much fun is repentance? How much fun is confession that we are wrong? How much fun is being humbled by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit? How much fun is it saying, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of your grace? Sometimes it blindsides us. Just as it did those first century worshipers of Jesus on that first Palm Sunday. But we need to know, we need to know, folks, the point of Jesus coming to us is to make us whole. The point of Jesus coming to us is to make us holy. He enters in to the praise of his people to cleanse. We worship him and he sanctifies us. It might not be what we're expecting, but it's what he does. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. You've been listening to a podcast from College Church of the Nazarene, University Avenue. If you care to join us for worship, we meet each Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. at 200 University Avenue in Bourbonnet, Illinois. We also offer a full range of activities, classes, small group meetings, and events throughout the week. For a complete list of what's going on at College Church or for more information on how you can get involved, please go to www.collegechurch.org.